Let's pray together, church. Father, we come before you and we ask for your spirit to reign in our souls, in our lives. Lord, rule over us. We are your servants. We are your, your children. Asking for the grace that we need to learn to grow and to seek your face. Oh God, move in us, stir in us. We crave that, oh God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If any of you have ever been fishing, you may have experienced what I experienced that day. Uh, we were heading out that morning. Uh, I think we were leaving uh, out of Venice. And uh, we were heading out to go catch some snapper, I believe. It may have been something else, but uh, we, as we headed out, we knew that, uh, that there was a little bit of fog on the water. And we putt-putted our way slowly because we knew that, uh, that it could be dangerous. And as we got further into the water, uh, we, we realized our, our concern and the fog got thicker and thicker. And uh, once you're in it, you're in it. And uh, we began to fear because the fog was thick upon us and, and you couldn't see five feet ahead of you. And, and the person driving the boat is halfway back in the boat. So it was, it was dangerous. So we decided it would be best to just stop and wait for some of this fog to pass. Because we knew... That at some point, what would happen? The, the fog would pass. Because what is fog? Fog is, is a vapor, right? It's something that comes and goes based on the conditions of the temperature of the water and the condensation of, of the air above that. And as it cools, it cools so quickly or it moves into that water vapor state and, and then you, you can't see but thankfully, I was with some experienced fishermen, much more than I, and they knew, you know, if you wait it out, it's going to go away. And guess what? I'm standing here before you today. It went away. Keep in mind this idea of a vapor today as we walk through the book of Ecclesiastes. Because this is the very principle that, that the teacher of the book of Ecclesiastes, Koholeth is the Hebrew word, but the teacher wants us to understand. Many, of, uh, many people understand the teacher to be Solomon. It may or may not be. A lot of it lines up with what Solomon would and could teach through his life. But it comes in a season of Solomon's life, if it is him, that is later. And it comes from a vantage point of experience trying to teach us of the vapors of this life. Of the mist that this life offers and give us reality to frame that vapor that comes upon us. I invite you to open up to Ecclesiastes, the first chapter. Such a fantastic uh, book and it's one of my favorites. I was telling Jeff this morning I just love the book of Ecclesiastes. I don't know why, 
but it's given from the perspective and on the heels of, uh, of, of Proverbs in the sense in which Proverbs seem to be such hopeful verses to us and give us such reality and hope that cling to wisdom, gain wisdom, seek out wisdom, uh, it, and things will be well if you, if you grab hokmah and you, this wisdom and skill of life, you're able to navigate properly. And then Ecclesiastes comes in and says, but, there, but there's more. It's not all going to be roses. You've got to understand and understand even in this world, wisdom is not something that is going to, to uh, be eternal all of the time. Some of the, the things that we experience and see and handle in life, the skill that we have doesn't translate to eternity. And, and that's where Ecclesiastes comes in and, and really frames things for us. So I'm going to begin in verse two and we're going to make as far much make through as much as we can this morning that I've got for you. If you're ready, give me an amen. All right, let's go. Beginning of verse two. Vanity of vanities, mist of mist, vapor of vapor. Hevel is the Hebrew word. Hevel of Hevel, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. Other translation, meaningless of meaningless. Futility of futilities. All is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun. A generation goes and a generation comes. But the earth remains forever. The sun rises. The sun goes down. And hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south. And around to the north. And around it goes. Around goes the wind. On its circuits the wind returns. You see where he's going. There's, there's a cycle that's going. And this world that we live in is on a circuit it's just a cycle of nothing is new it's happening again it is and you can almost hear it rolling verse 7 all streams run to the sea but the sea is not full why because of the water cycle another cycle that he hits but the sea is not full to the place where the streams flow there they flow again all things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing. The ear is not filled with hearing. What has been will be. What has been done will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. It, this sounds like the words coming from a man who is jaded with life in some ways. But rather... I think this is a man who is trying to frame and give us wisdom for us to navigate life properly. This is a man who has made mistakes. Obviously, we'll find out. This is a man who has, is trying to give something to help you and me and any reader navigate the reality of what is this? Is this the real life or is there something further? Let me remind you where we are in our study through the Bible. 
I think it will help a bit. We began with God creating a world. God didn't have to do that, right? We, we understand that. But there was intent and purpose for him to create a world for you and me and every other human to live in. For every monkey, every mouse, every bat, and every precious spider that he's made. He's made a world for this to happen. And he does so with intent to, to teach us and to draw us into something that's bigger. And, and I ask the question again, is this the real life or is there something beyond? And that's where the framework comes. Because when sin entered into the world in, in Genesis chapter 3, it broke open. A different realm unto all of his creation. And it is the realm that sin has some sort of dominion in this world that we live in. Now prior to Genesis 3, God ruled, God reigned, things were all right. But post Genesis 3 world, we live in a world that is, that is overwhelmed and overrun with the dominion of sin. And all throughout, from Genesis 3 to Ecclesiastes, we have the Lord giving us snapshots of the real world, of the eternal world, I should call it, in, in light of this world that we're experiencing. Our, our VBS students studied it. We, have, we are keepers of the kingdom. We looked at that last week a bit. But here the teacher is teaching us Hevel, Hevel, Hevel of Hevels. It's a mist. It is a transient world that we live in. It comes, it goes, it repeats. The cycle is coming. And what he's teaching us here in the first chapter is the repetition. The cycle is there to teach us a lesson. Verse 8, he says, all things are full of weariness. A man cannot even utter it. We seek for satisfaction, for joy in this world. But then it vanishes. Oh, I can remember. I, I just wanted to get married. Oh, everything would be right once I got married. And then I just wanted to have kids. Everything would be right if I had children. And then I, I just wanted to. And then I just wanted to. And it's always the next transient phase. And then you begin to say, oh, if I were just younger. Everything would be all right. If I just could go back a few years and my back didn't hurt every day. I'd... But we have to catch ourselves, don't we? And say, wait, 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 wait. This is not the realness that the, the Lord is giving us. 
He's teaching us that there's nothing new under the sun to tell us that it's not about what's under the sun. Chapter 2. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. You know, one of those ways that, that every human being is seeking satisfaction and in some way is pleasure. And whether you find your pleasure by looking pretty, by playing video games, by watching TV shows, getting lost in a book, by having everything in order and every drawer perfectly organized, wherever you find your pleasure, you're looking for it. Come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this was also a mist. I said of laughter, it is mad. And of pleasure, what use is it? It just disappears. I search with my heart how to cheer my body with wine. My heart still guiding me with wisdom. And how to lay hold on folly till I might see that was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses. I planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens, parks. I planted them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds, flocks, cars, trucks, boats. Oh, wait, that wasn't in there. More than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers. Both men and women and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me and whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep them from. I kept my heart from no pleasure. For my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then, then I considered that all my hands had done, and all the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, it was a mist. It was a mist. It came, it went, it made noises, and they disappeared. It was vanity and a striving after the wind. And there was nothing to be gained. Where? I didn't hear you. Where? Under the sun. And I say that because I want you to see that in this book, the under the sunness is where the teacher is trying to point us not to focus. It is under the sun where things easy come, 
Easy go. Now, if you haven't figured it out yet, my son has. Even Queen figured that out. If you remember that Bohemian Rhapsody song. Now, I know y'all are all church-going people, but I'm sure you've heard the song, right? You may not rock out to it, but you know the song. And he says, is this the real life? Or just a what? A fantasy. Easy come. It's like he, he was reading Ecclesiastes when he was pinning the words of these songs. But I mention that to say even, even those who do not read the Scripture and, and treasure the Scripture as many of you do, they figured out the same thing. This is a universal truth. Is this the real life? Is this all there is to it? Under the sunness? If you look around, y'all, just, just look around this week. Watch. Read the news. Watch people. Talk to your relatives and your neighbors and your friends. Can finding my soulmate finally give me what I'm looking for? Can getting my dream job finally give me what I'm looking for? Can, can making a difference by helping the less fortunate and doing humanitarian deeds, even in a poor country, do it? Rick, can winning the College World Series do it? Can chasing satisfaction in a Identity other than what God has given us. Do it. Can any sensual pleasures do it? Is this the real life or just fantasy? It's easy come, easy go, little high, little low. There's a kingdom beyond all of the things we can see here. There's a kingdom beyond it. And Jesus came and presented that to us. Where the teacher here begins to open our eyes to the reality. Here's how you frame anything under the sun. You frame it as being something that is not eternal. And, and I think he chose his word very carefully. He was the wisest man of, in all the land, right? And he chose this word for mist, vanities, fleeting, passing. This is the world we know under the sun. Now, if you're with us on Wednesday nights and you're in my class, we have for many weeks, we've talked about. Somebody help me out. What have we been talking about the last few weeks? What will happen when we, when we die? And we've talked about the return of Jesus and when he comes back and the resurrection comes, he will 
He will raise those who have died in Christ. They will be raised and there will be a judgment. And then he will rule with us. And things will go back to that pre-Genesis 3 standing. And life will be everything it's supposed to be. Save sin or even the ability to sin. And that's why Jesus spoke like he did. He wasn't bound up in the things under the sun. You hear his words and you think, this guy thought very differently than we do. Let me give you some of his words. From Matthew chapter 6. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy under the sun stuff. Where thieves break in and steal under the sun stuff. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Is this the real life? And maybe one way you answer that question is, well... Maybe for now. But everything is vanity. And Jesus points us to heaven. Where God is heaven. And says there are eternal rewards. That are greater than this life. Jesus spoke also like this in Matthew chapter 13. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. Where a man found it and he covered it up and in his joy he goes and he sells all that he has and he buys that field. I love the parable because what he has chosen, this man says, I'll sell everything I have because this one thing is worth more than everything else that I already have. Do you get it? He goes, he finds, oh, look at this, what I found, this is amazing i got to buy this field, and then I'll get whatever's in the field, which means I'll get the treasure. So I'll sell everything I have. It's not worth nearly what this is. Buy the field, gain the treasure, hold up the price. The kingdom of heaven. Did you catch that? The kingdom of heaven is like treasure. Hidden in a field. Let me ask you something. Do you live like the kingdom of heaven is treasure? Do do you forsake the things that are fleeting and cling to the things that are lasting? Is that the way you navigate your decisions? Real world example, right? So today I had 
gathered everybody last night. We watched the LSU baseball game. Enjoyed most of it. Incredible game. So we planned watching the game today, this afternoon before church, right? And then I, I remembered something. No, my wife reminded me of something. I should say it like that. At about midnight last night, maybe 12.15, she said, Hey, we have unity service tomorrow night. I was like, oh yeah. Oh, we have practice today. Right in the middle of the game. And so, what do you do? You go, oh, well, one of these things is fleeting. And one of them is eternal. The worship of the living God. And so you look at them and I go, oh, well, I guess I'll miss the game. Because there are more important things to do. There's a higher calling. There's, there's kingdom of heaven work to do today. These are real world things that, that you come across. And, and that may sound silly. Some of you think, well, baseball doesn't really matter. No, I mean, in the grand scheme of things. But, but it mattered to me last night. So that's a thing you work through. Kingdom of heaven. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and he sold all that he had and he bought it. Do you treat the kingdom of heaven like the pearl of great price? Is it is it worth it to you? Let me give you one more. I'll keep reading. This is, again, Jesus speaking. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown in the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers and threw away the bad. Oh, watch this. This is about to get dangerous. Get ready. Throw a net out. Trawl. Pick up your net, bring it ashore, you start sorting fish. Ah, that's an eater, that's a keeper. Ah, catfish. Ah, there you go, there's a good one. Catfish. If you don't know, I don't really like catfish. Watch verse 49. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the evil from the righteous. And throw them into the fiery furnace in the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Context matters when we read the Bible. You know that, right? As it's given to us, it's given in order. It's given with paragraphs. and Not that Greek necessarily had paragraph markings, but it's given in order together. What I read you about the kingdom of heaven about the treasure in the field, about that pearl of great price, immediately after those passages comes this passage that the Lord will be sorting out at the end of the age and he will separate the evil from the righteous. You think there's any reason why, as Jesus spoke, he spoke these things together? 
What is the real life? The real life are those things that are eternal and they will last eternally. Christian, many Christians get so caught up in this world because we forget that these things are a mist. And there is eternity. Many of us do not share the gospel with people because we're afraid they may laugh at us. But Christian, there is a soul that is depending upon us to share the message for their eternal well-being. May they laugh at us. Let them laugh. Do we love them? Verse 50. Let me read it one more time. And throw them to the fiery furnace. In that place there will be... Help me out, church. I want to make sure you're reading what I'm reading. In that place there will be what? Eternity matters. We sang about the cross this morning. We sang... Songs bring together the message that Jesus paid the debt so that Christians, so that all who believe would not have to bear the weeping and the gnashing of teeth that hell brings to those who are not in Christ. I talked with people this week with a broken heart that there would be some that we know that would spend eternity in God's judgment. We watch people successful, succeeding with all the things that Solomon talked about. But we'll spend eternity separated and in judgment from God. Church, are we going to say something? Are we going to do something about it? Vanity. This world is vanity. It is fleeting. It is a mist. In chapter 2, he continues to talk about the vanity of living wisely. He talks about the vanity of work. And even these good things, even these good things are things that that will be passing away. Me and my family, we worked hard in the yard yesterday. I was proud of my boys. They, They just worked hard. They're sunburnt and crispy. But even that hard work, as good as it was, It's over. And we move to chapter 3. Here's where I would like to kind of draw things back together. The teacher from Ecclesiastes, the teacher brings us to a place where he says, I've done it all. I've tried it all. And here's what I'm giving to you after my life so that you don't have to make the same mistakes that I did Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. Love it. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die. There's a time to plant, a time to pluck up what is planted. 
There's a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek, a time to lose, a time to keep, a time to cast away, a time to tear, a time to sow. A time to keep silent and a time to speak. A time to love, a time to hate, a time for war, a time for peace. What gain has the worker from all of his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Watch this. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. The teacher's teaching us that all of these things in life, he's not teaching us to ignore the life we live in. He's saying there are times to do all of these things. There are times to get married. And times to have children. And times to go fishing on the boat. And times to watch the baseball game. But he has put into our hearts eternity. And the message we need to know. Is that those things we can enjoy. And we can give God glory in. Those things are not why we're here. We are here for the greater and eternal things. He has put eternity in our heart. Did you see what he said? Yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. He's put eternity in our hearts so that we stand back in awe and go, I can't even comprehend How all of this got here. And where it's all going. But I know that it's much bigger than me. And so if I see an eternal God. There must be eternal things that are going to matter. And I know the things that pass away. And I know that, that the things that we have. And the relationships that we have. And the people we know. All of those things are important. But they're not. They're all under the sun. And they're not the past the sun things that we need to focus on. Let me close with this from chapter 5. God has given us this world so that we can see the next. I'm say that again. God has given us this world so that we can see the next. Y'all tracking with me? He's given us the world under the sun so that we can understand the world that's not under the sun. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of what? Of this world. So let me give you some application 
on how this plays out day to day. Chapter 5. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near and to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of a fool. For they do not know what they, that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven, and what? And you're on earth. The teacher is teaching us that there is a perspective and a relationship to God that matters more than those relationships with the things around us. When you go into worship, go in with both ears open and one mouth closed. When you go before God, you come before him with your head bowed in humility, not with your head up and your finger pointed. Be not rash with your mouth. Let your heart not be hasty. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. God is on his throne, might I add, in heaven. And we are merely one of billions on his footstool that he calls the earth. My Haitian friends like to call when I get on Facebook. Let me give you some perspective from Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 40, beginning of verse 6, is this. A voice cries, a voice says, cry. And I said, well, what shall I cry? All flesh is like grass and all its beauty like the flower of the field. Anybody got a garden? Flower garden? Pretty flowers. I've seen some big sunflowers from Belinda and Dennis this week. Those things are, are pretty, aren't they? About three, four, five months, they're not going to be so pretty. In fact, they're going to be gone. Like yesterday is gone. The grass withers, he says. The flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord will stand forever. Come on, y'all. I want to read that one more time. All flesh is like grass and all its beauty like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. The word of God is not under the sun. Do you hear it? The word of God is that eternal word that fills us, that drives us, that gives us purpose and meaning to this life. It's not a fantasy. It is real life 
It is life eternal. It is life when engaged with the life under the sun gives us purpose and reality to everything else that we do. The Apostle Paul tells us in Timothy, he says, uh, this was earlier, Wayne, you may not be able to find it, but I, I want to draw this together. He tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 4, for everything created by God is good. And nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. Let me, let me draw this all together. There is a a world and a realm that is outside under the sun. It is the world of God. It is the heavenly realm. And the Lord sent his son, Jesus Christ, to to penetrate this world, to invade it and, and bind the strong man who had authority over all of those in this world and say, no, you are mine. Come, follow me. I will make you a fisher of men. You are mine. Come, follow me. And he bound the strong man and he declared the truth. And he laid down his life and died on the cross to establish this kingdom of heaven. And he calls you today and he calls me today. And he says, yeah, we're living in this temporal misted world. But I have something greater for you when heaven meets earth and when the spirit of God comes in us and he draws us unto salvation for that greater purpose of saying yet things around us. We love them. We enjoy them, but they're not why I'm here. And Christians, some of us need to to cut some ties to things around us and say, I'm putting too much emphasis On these things around me. I need to invest into the kingdom that matters. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It gives us a very vivid picture of all of our lives set before God at judgment day. And the fire comes and it tests everything that we have done. And what we've done for God will last. And everything around us is made holy by the word of God And by prayer. It is the holiness of God. And his word that establishes and gives meaning to anything. It is the prayers that we have and offer in that community. The relationship that we have with God that gives value to who we are. So church, that is my message to you today. Where are you living? Is this the real life? Or are you living in some fantasy? Christian, you know. Christian, you know. Where real life is. Let's invest our resources, our effort, our time into what matters. Souls need to hear the message that will save their soul for all eternity. Let us do it together. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word for the perspective that it has shown us and given to us. Set our minds on things that are above, not on things of this world. Lord, help us to cut ties where we need to cut ties. And to invest where we need to invest. We ask this in the name of our precious Lord Jesus Christ.
Amen.